0: Welcome in to another Tuesday night of Connor and coverage. My name, of course, is Connor Riley. Let me move stuff off of there. Uh, discussing the latest in Georgia football news updates. We're probably going to talk a little bit about Georgia basketball tonight, as it seems like the final days of Tom Kareen are upon us as the head coach of the Georgia basketball program. But uh, first and foremost, we'll touch uh, on Georgia football because that is what butters my bread here. And so we'll talk about the NFL combine, who st- stood out there. But more importantly, I think. Who comes next? Who replaces some of those guys that just lit up the NFL Combine, made themselves hundreds of thousands, in some cases millions of dollars at the NFL Combine. 14 players in all in attendance there for Georgia. Could have been as high as potentially 16 if John Fitzpatrick or Adam Anderson had attended there as well. And so a lot of roster turnover. Spring practice starts. I'm sure we'll take questions on that at the end of the show tonight. But who are going to be those guys that step into the shoes of James Cook? Zamir White, Justin Jaffer, Jamari Sawyer, uh, Lewis Seen, so to speak. We'll go through all those names tonight, all 14 of them, and tell you who's going to be the next guy at that position. And I'm not saying they're going to do what those guys did at the NFL Combine because, for example, there is not another Jordan Davis out there. There's a reason why he ran the fastest 40-yard dash of any – you know, three hundred and ten pounder to ever weigh in at the NFL Combine. There's Devontae White, You do not find three hundred and seven pound defensive linemen who run four seven forties growing on trees. Uh Trayvon Walker at, at two hundred and seventy 270 five, two hundred and seventy pounds, should not be running four five one forties. But that is very much what he did, and that is what some of the other standouts from this combine did. And I think it shows the athleticism that Georgia had on its defense and why Georgia was able to win a national title this year. They just had an overwhelming amount of talent. And more often than not, that's going to at least get you in the picture to win a national title. And at the end of the year, they got the correct, the right amount of breaks, bounces of the football injury, luck, whatever you'd like to attribute it to, to where they were able to come out and on top and win a national championship. So touching on the latest there. News, obviously, we await the news of Tom Crean, what will happen with him. Georgia plays their final game or what will likely be their final game of the 2021-2022 regular basketball season on Wednesday night against Vanderbilt in the SEC basketball tournament down there in Tampa, Florida. Uh, they've lost to Vanderbilt twice already this season. Georgia is 6-25 and on the year. By all accounts, this is the worst season in Georgia basketball history. And as our colleague Chip Towers reported today, the expectation is that Tom Crean will not be back next year. They've zeroed in on four guys as possible replacements, Andy Enfield and Steve Forbes. Personally speaking, I don't feel either one of those is all that realistic. I think uh, Forbes has already agreed to a contract extension to stay at Wake Forest. Enfield, I think he's either going to stay at USC or end up in Maryland. I think that those jobs are better than where Georgia is right now. And then the other two that I think are more realistic candidates are Dennis Gates, the Cleveland State head coach who spent a lot of time recruiting down there at Florida State. And as anyone who's followed Georgia basketball recruiting, at least recruiting from the high school ranks, Florida State did very well in the state of Georgia for a long time. And Gates obviously played a big part in that. And then you have uh, Jonas Hayes, who I would say is probably the front runner to get this job, in my opinion, and someone who I personally right now would feel very comfortable hiring. I think you obviously you want to swing big. You want to cast a wide net in this. But let's take a look at even, you know, not before we get too deep into this, but Hayes's resume, you know, played at Georgia. Coach for six years at the University of Georgia as an assistant. And, you know, I know one of the knocks on Mark Fox was that early on in his tenure, he wanted nothing to do with Georgia's AAU scene. Didn't really want to get involved in that. Well, I think as Fox stayed here longer, Georgia found some more recruiting success in the Atlanta area, and I think Jonas's Hayes ties to that area played a big part in that. I would also point out Jonas as a twin brother, Jarvis who is on Georgia state's assistant coaching staff right now. So I think Jonas Hayes is someone who's going to have a lot to offer and be intriguing for Georgia's potential basketball opening, which I expect to happen, but that's enough basketball for now. We'll touch on more a little bit later on here, but for right now, let's talk about the NFL combine and how that went for Georgia and who's going to replace the 14 players that stood out. It was a landmark weekend for the Georgia football program talked about, discussed in a way that I don't think we have really seen all that often from a college program. I'll even say among the Alabamas of the world, sure, they've sent waves, or LSU have sent waves of players before. But it's hard to remember a time where you have both this many people in attendance at a combine and also dominating and showing out in a combine in this way, and it's not just limited to one or two positions here. You know, Channing Tyndall tied for the highest vertical jump of anyone in attendance at the NFL Combine this week. He's a linebacker. Uh, Lewis seen I thought really made himself some money and helped close the gap between himself and Kyle Hamilton to be the top ranked safety. I still expect Hamilton to be so, but. I now wouldn't be stunned if Lewisine ended up playing himself into a first-round pick. There were reports that he had interviewed very well, which I think anyone that has seen him speak or has has talked to him is not surprised by that. And then you know, even on the offensive side of the ball, George Pickens. While he may not end up getting in the first round because of the depth at that position, really impressed by running a four-four-seven forty and showing some of that speed that he promised to bring. And you know, looking a full year after his ACL injury back like the George Pickens of old there. So it was a dominating effort across most, if not all, positions that Georgia was represented by at the NFL Combine. But you have to replace all of those guys. And there are also some transfer players that have transferred out of the program as well. There are going to be a lot of new faces. There's a lot of newness on this Georgia team as they enter spring practice. And so I figure, why not reset the table? Here are the guys who, you know, they're not going to be they're not always going to give exactly what they're going to give. I think at some positions, you're going to see a drop off, especially when Georgia is projected to have as many as four, possibly five first round picks. But having said that, I think there are some really talented players on this roster that are going to make a difference and keep Georgia near the top of the college football world. So, with that in mind, when we're starting the offense, work our way through the defense. But starting on the offensive side of the ball, we'll look at the two running back positions. I think this one is pretty easy, and it's one most fans already know in terms of who is going to replicate what James Cook and Zemir White brought. For James Cook in particular, it's Kenny McIntosh. Kenny, I don't think he's the same electric athlete that James Cook is. You're not necessarily going to see the 67-yard run, the 53-yard catch that he had in the game against Michigan. But from a pass-catching standpoint, I think Kenny might almost be more dependable in that aspect. I, I think he's got maybe even better hands than James Cook. And while he doesn't have the explosiveness... He's shown the ability to make defenders miss. And so I think with a larger workload, I expect him to replicate some, maybe not all of what James Cook brought this past season. But I think in terms of replacing James Cook, a pass-catching running back, I think you could do much, much worse than possibly bringing in Kenny McIntosh into a larger role. And I think he's going to be a guy that Georgia really counts on. For Zamir White, I think it's also pretty obvious. I think Kendall Milton is the guy that's going to, Emerge, or so to speak, as the physical running back. He has as much, if not the most talent in that running back room, but injuries have limited his time in his first two seasons at Georgia. He's dealt with MCL injuries in both of those years, and I think that's really prevented him from having a bigger role on the team, certainly in this 2021 season. And you could say the same for the 2020 season there as well. But if he's able to stay healthy and not get hurt, I think there's a real chance that his physicality and his explosiveness. I think make it so so that you have a very nice running back tandem with Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh, much like you did a season ago with Samir White and James Cook. I'd also throw in names like Dejon Edwards and Branson Robinson as guys who have the physicality and the physical ability to play for Georgia this year. We'll see. Branson Robinson comes in this summer. Dejon Edwards has really only been a, a backup running back, but... With Georgia only having three scholarship running backs available this spring, I think it's going. you're going to see a lot of Dejon Edwards in the spring game, in G-Day, in spring practice. And so we're going to find out what we Georgia has in DeJon Edwards this spring. But I think you feel very comfortable with what you have at the top. And Kenny McIntosh is the pass-catching running back, and Kendall Milton is the more physical runner of the two. We were on a wide receiver. It's tough to say who's going to replace George Pickens because obviously I don't think there's an athlete right now on this team receiving staff that can do what George Pickens did. And I'd also point out George Pickens only played in four games last season. So in terms of statistical production, he's probably the easiest guy to replace in terms of what the Georgia might have at wide receiver in terms of a true outside threat. The name I think I have to go with here is a Mitchell. He had the touchdown in the win over Alabama in the national championship game. He had a very impressive performance against Tennessee. He showed the ability to stretch the field a little bit, I think the one thing that we really want to see from Adonai Mitchell this spring and fall as well more consistency he had some drops this past season that were not exactly what you want and i think if georgia had had a healthier wide receiver room maybe you would have seen him go in the proverbial doghouse of sorts but because georgia were just so banged up a receiver they were allowing mitchell to really play through that and i'll be interested to see how the consistency with his hands really improves this season i think another guy to watch on the outside is marcus rosemary jackson a guy who's battled injuries but has shown that he's just a winning football player. Go back and watch the end of that national championship game. Marcus Jack jackson is blocking his behind off downfield to spring Brock Bowers for that game for the last offensive touchdown there. I think he does a lot of things that the coaching staff likes. I think he fits what this team wants to do at the outside wide receiver position. And I think how Brian McClendon goes about getting the most out of Marcus Rosemi Jack who is healthy, who's going to go through a spring practice for the first time in his time at Georgia. I think that's really going to make a difference for him. And two other names that I'd throw out there as well, Dominic Blaylock, healthy once again, and we'll see what he gives Georgia this spring. And then Arian Smith, who we don't know what his health status is, but his speed makes him a game changer. And so while uh, maybe all four of those guys can't give you what George Pickens did, I think there's a real opportunity in this wide receiver room to provide it that they stay healthy, improve off of what we saw from this position as a whole over the 2021 season. Moving on to the offensive line here. I'll try to keep this brief because I know most people don't care about the offensive line. And I actually think these are some of the easier replacements to identify at left tackle. It's going to be project Jones. Uh, we saw this in the national championship game. They moved Jamari Sawyer over to right guard And Broderick Jones came in and I thought played outstanding in the second half of that game against Alabama really helped open things up. He's going to continue to get better as he gets more reps. But I think the most impressive thing for me that I saw coming out of that Alabama game was not what Jones did in pass pro where he is obviously more gifted, but it's what Jones did in that running game and the physicality that he played with there. I think that was something that was largely missing from Georgia in the 2021 season. If so, they're able to get a real physical offensive lineman, like Project Jones to match what he does in the pass protection game, in the run blocking game, I think that's going to really open things up for this rushing offense. Uh, replacing Justin Schaefer at guard, that's going to be a little bit trickier to forecast. Obviously, you bring back Warren Erickson, who started 14 games for you a season ago, but. I don't know if it was an ankle injury or whether it was poor performance, but he did get benched in that national championship game. And so you you wonder, you obviously know what you have in him, but is there maybe room for an upgrade there? I think the name everyone wants to throw out is Tate Ratlidge. We'll see where Ratlidge is at as he recovers from a foot injury. He suffered on the opening drive of the season last year. But from my indications, very few, if any players had a better fall camp last year than Tate Ratlidge. And if he's healthy and able to play and go, I think he's going to give Georgia a very physical presence at that guard position, but he's not the only one that is capable of doing so. I think uh, Xavier Truss and Devin Willock are names to know as well, and even some younger players. I'm going to be really interested to see what guys like Amarius Mims, Dylan Fairchild, and Michael Morris do. All three of those guys have the ability to play guard, and we'll see who ends up winning that second guard spot, or both guard spots are really up for grabs, depending on how you view Warren Erickson. I think we know what we have at left and right tackle with Project Jones and Warren McClendon, I think you know what you have at center, but there's a lot of uncertainty at guard. And I think if Georgia nails those two positions at right and left guard, I think you can very clearly see room for upgrade with this offensive line going into the 2022 season. Stacey Sarles has a big task in front of him, but if he's able to find success in year one, I think that's going to open up a lot of things for this offensive line. I'd point out as well, Stacey Searles received his salary. We learned of Stacey Searles' salary today, $650,000. That's a good step down for Matt Luke and even Sam Pittman, what they were making. Matt Luke was set to make $900,000 for Georgia this coming season. I'm not at all surprised to learn that. So moving from the offensive side to the defensive side, where Georgia obviously has much more to replace. On the defensive line, quite frankly, you could probably get away with saying Jalen Carter for Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis, and Devontae Wyatt. But for Carter specifically, we'll stick to Devontae Wyatt. Look, as great as Trayvon, Jordan, and Devontae all were this this past weekend, I think Jalen Carter might be a better draft prospect than all three of them. I mean, with the physicality and speed that he plays with, there are just not a lot of defensive tackles out there doing what he is able to do. He's a versatile player, can play in that nose position. You're going to see him do that for Georgia. They also move him around quite a bit and could even play him at some five technique there. So... I think Jalen Carter, you could put him at any one of those spots. But for me, I'm going to say I think his best home is sort of as that three technique, two inside eye, sort of defensive tackle that Devontae Wyatt played. And you have him rush up field a little bit. I think that is the role that Jalen Carter produces the most from in this coming season. So what does that mean for Jordan Davis' replacement? Well, it's going to be Zion Logue. And there is no other Jordan Davis. There's not another Jordan Davis in football. If there are another Jordan Davis out there, He'd be you know, a five-star, clear-cut prospect, one of the best players in the country. But in Zion Logue, you have a guy who's played a good amount of snaps. He Georgia defensively rotui- rotates, not rotates, rotui- <laughs> Georgia on the defensive line rotates quite a bit. And so Zion Logue has played a good number of snaps. And I'd also point out when Jordan Davis got hurt in the 2020 season against Kentucky, Zion Logue stepped in for a few games there. So he started at an SEC level before and played in big games and big moments. And so I really, I'm interested to see what we see out of Zion Logue this year and how he sort of develops as an interior defensive lineman. The defensive end position, I think the name a lot of people want to throw out there is Michael Williams. Uh, I think he's a guy who has Trayvon-like upside but the name right now to know is Tramell Waltauer, a guy similar to Zion Lowe who has played a lot of snaps for this Georgia team. It brings sort of a veteran presence there. And if you go back to the days of, say, Malik Herring or Jonathan Ledbetter, that defensive end position in the Georgia defense is not always necessarily a productive one. They are asked to do a lot of different things and have a lot of dirty work. And even Trayvon Walker himself, you know, a guy who only had six sacks a season ago, not exactly the double-digit sacks that Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan produced. And I think that speaks to just how talented Trayvon Walker is that he's able to get six sacks out of a position that traditionally has not produced a ton of pass rushing but I think to start Tramon Waltower is the name to know and you know if Mike Hell ends up being Trayvon Walker like we're going to hear from Mike over the course of the season remember back to Trayvon's freshman year the game ending sack against Bo Nix and Auburn so how that all sort of plays out with Mike Hell and his development is going to be really interesting he is on campus he's going through spring practice he's an early enrollee I think with what we've seen before from Georgia players is that if you're an early enrollee that's your best path to getting on the field early so how michael williams develops this spring i think is going to be one of the more interesting interesting subplots to follow in terms of the upside of this defensive line because if you're late in the season you're able to put say a michael williams and a jalen carter out there you feel very very good about what you have on the defensive line Moving to the linebacker position. Again, this is similar there. You could probably say one guy for all three of them, but given that you have to replace N'Kobe Dean, Channing Tyndall, and Quay Walker, which that's a lot of football experience to replace there, a lot of snaps, I think that's probably the position where there's going to be the biggest growing pains with Georgia. But as the season goes on, I think you feel better and better. You know, for Nakobe Dean, I do think it's Jamon Dumas Johnson as the replacement. Um, you know, Jamar is probably on the smaller side in terms of linebackers, especially compared to Schmel Mundin and Xavier Sori, who we'll get to in a minute. But every time he was on the field last year for Georgia, he just made plays. He had a pick six against UAB. I know he had a sack against Georgia Tech. Jamon Dumas Johnson is going to be a playmaker for this Georgia defense. And once he gets his feet under him and gets adjusted to making the calls for the defense. I think Jamon Dumas Johnson, similar to the way Brock Bowers was, because again, it's worth remembering, Dumas Johnson didn't get to play a high school football senior season when he was up there in Baltimore at St. Francis Academy. So I, I think his recruiting stock, so to speak, was a little bit undervalued in terms of what he could have possibly brought. And, and so Georgia may have found a diamond in the rough there, so to speak. I know he was still a four-star player, you know, top 100. And, 60-70 recruit, but a guy who very clearly was a, a, an impact player for Georgia last year when he got the chance to play, and I'm excited to see what he does with more reps this spring. In terms of replacing Quay Walker, I think that guy is Schmiel Mundin, a guy who's played a, played a lot on special teams, rangy defender, athleticism off the charts, and we'll see how he develops. I think he's maybe a little bit ahead of Xavier and Sori right now, especially given some of the injuries that Sori had to play through last year with a foot injury. But Mundan is a guy who is similar, similar to Quay Walker, I think just needs reps at this position. And once he, once he gets his feet under him and gets adjusted to the speed of the game, even better, I think you could see him sort of take off similar in a way to say Quay Walker did this past season where, you know, in 2020, he first got his feet in there. He got some playing time, got adjusted to the speed of the game from that off ball linebacker position. I think once Schmale gets sort of to that point, I think you could see maybe a similar progression from him there. And then in terms of replacing Channing Tyndall, I I think Xavier Sori is an interesting name here. But before I get too deep into him, I also point out I'm really interested to see what we see from Tresman Marshall and Ryan Davis. Both those guys have battled injury throughout their time at Georgia, but they are veterans in the room. And, you know, they should theoretically be healthy this spring. And if they are, I think it's going to make this linebacker room even more fascinating. But in terms of the direct replacement for Tyndall, I think Xavier Sory is going to probably end up following a similar career path, you know, like Tyndall, a guy who you could have seen him on the outside as an edge rusher. Georgia certainly considered that, but I think they saw the value in having an athlete like him at the inside linebacker position. And so, you know, I don't know that Xavier Sory is going to give you this coming season what Channing Tyndall did last year, but over time, with what we saw late in the season against Georgia Tech, against Charleston Southern, I know those aren't big name marquee opponents but you see the traits flash and similar to Channing Tyndall, even though, you know, he, he didn't really beat out on a Kobe Dean or a Quay Walker. You saw the traits flash from Channing Tyndall when he got in there in the past. And then obviously in the national title game, you know, he makes the big sack. He has shown flashes of pass rusher. He is an elite athlete in terms of how he's able to move sideline to sideline. And I think Xavier and sorry, even if he never say gets more starts than a Jermon Dumas Johnson or a Shmell Mundin, I think what Xavier and is able to do there is going to be really, really interesting in terms of how his athleticism allows him to grow into that position. So cover the defensive line, we've covered the linebackers moving on to the secondary. This is another similar easy one to, I think with what project Jones saw with Darian Kendrick at the cornerback position, Kamari Lasseter is probably the name. know. now I know a lot of people are going to say, well, what about Nyland green or what about five-star signee Dalen Everett? the coaching staff really, really raved about what Kamari Lasseter, who was a summer enrollee last year, came in and gave this team in the fall. He is a smart player. He's an instinctive player. And I think he's a guy who Georgia really, really likes. And similar to some of the other cornerbacks, you know, yes, they have five stars that are coming in and, and, and Everett, Jaheem Singletary who arrived later this season. Nylon Green was a higher rated recruit than he was. But it seems like entering this spring with some of the turnover they've had at that cornerback position, remember Jalen Kimber's is now at Florida, Amir Speed is at Michigan State. I, I feel very good about what Kamari Lasseter is going to step into. Now, I point out here Georgia only has four scholarship cornerbacks, Keely Ringo, Kamari Lasseter, Nylon Green, and Daylon Everett. So even if Lasseter maybe starts to separate himself a little bit here, Ringo and Green are still going to or not Ringo. Well, yes, Ringo, but also Ringo Everett and Green are also going to get a ton of reps here. And so I actually don't expect this cornerback position to be settled even going into the fall. But I really like where Kamari Lassiter is. And I think you could see him make a big jump this coming season to where that first game against Oregon. He's positioned himself as a starter for this Georgia defense. And then this this one, well, before we get to Louis Cena at safety, we'll do punter because I think that's pretty easy. Brett Thorson, Georgia signed him in the 2022 recruiting class from Australia. You know, I'll be interested to see Jay Kamara was really rock solid the last two seasons for Georgia as a punter. He was a Ray guy finalist in the 2020 season and was great, especially in that national championship game, helping flip the field and force Alabama to go and drive long when Georgia was struggling to get things going offensively early in that game. And so I think Thorson will be interesting to see what we see out of him. I think Jared Zirkel is maybe a name to monitor there as well. Georgia also has Jack Podlesny, though it sounds like he's going to be primarily still kicking. I would guess that Podlesny probably takes over the kickoff duties in terms of you know booting it deep, kicking it through the end zone for a touchback, because that is what Kamara uh, had done in the past. I think Thorson is the name to know there. It's difficult to project who might be the replacement for Lewis scene at safety. And that's why like getting, getting Chris Smith back was really big because I don't know that he does exactly the same things that Lewis seen does. I don't think he's as rangy as Lewis scene is, but he's going to help call the defense back there and make sure guys are aligned. Right. Like the name to know this spring is quite honestly, Dan Jackson, a, a walk on, but a guy who played a good bit was in some dime personnel package. Last year for Georgia. I know the popular name that people want to throw out there is Malachi Starks. We'll see how quickly he gets up to speed again. You know, he isn't maybe not exactly the most refined prospect coming in because his high school team asked him to play so many positions and moved him all around the football on both the offense and the defensive side. This is probably the first time in his life where he's really focusing in on just playing that safety position, just playing defensive back. And all that comes with playing as a defensive back in Kirby Smart's system, there is a steep learning curve there from what he wants and what he wants out there. Now, maybe as the season progresses to say Malachi starts moving to that starting safety role, certainly I could see that, but – Starting out, I think Dan Jackson is probably going to be the guy that, that starts there, especially because Tyke Smith I don't think is going to be able to go this spring as he continues to recover from his ACL injury back there. So you bring back William Poole, maybe he gives you some things at that safety position. You can find someone to get to pass together some playing time at the star position there as well. But I think Dan Jackson and William Poole are the names to know right now at that safety position. And then maybe over the course of the season, you hope that maybe a Ja'Cory Thomas will or obviously a Malachi Starks develops into that safety role there. So at the 25 minute mark, we have gone through all 14 names. I'm not going to recap them all because I just went through all of them. And quite frankly, I'm not sure I'm going to remember all of them when I recap them, but uh, cleans things up on the NFL combine bottom line. It was a great weekend for Georgia football on this program. I've written a couple of stories about it. Mike Griffith has written a couple of stories about it as well with just what this weekend means for Georgia going forward, because these guys acing this is going to help them on draft night. And if Georgia has four first round picks, they have eight guys going the first two rounds, possibly, uh, you know, 10 guys drafted by the end of Friday night that's really, really going to make things easier for Georgia to recruit because now, you know, Georgia's recruiting process, it's not, hey, you're a five-star player, come here. You're a high four-star player, come here. I think Kirby Smart is adapting, especially with all the changes recently with regards to the transfer portal, NIL, coaching changes, turnover there. He's really looking for guys who fit his program, who fit what he wants to do, and being able to show recruits, hey, our system here develops you and gets you ready for an NFL combine where you're going to go out there and dominate and turn yourself into a high first-round pick or a second-round pick or whatever they end up being drafted as, that makes it much, much easier to sell your pitch because you have hard physical proof instead of, hey, you just got to trust in us. We'll get you to where you need to go because I think differing from some other schools out there, George not doesn't exactly practice playing time, not even you know specifically early playing time. Though they, if you are a good enough freshman, as Brock Bowers showed you this past year, I think redshirt freshman Keely Ringo showed you, if you're good enough, we'll get you on the field. But to Jermaine Johnson's point, who himself has turned himself into, I believe, a first-round pick, if you're going to want to play every single down and rack up monster stats... Georgia might not necessarily be the best place for you. And so Georgia has to find guys who buy into the concept here at Georgia. And I think this weekend is going to make that a whole lot easier going forward. So with that, Let's talk about something less fun right now. Uh, Georgia basketball. We don't talk about it a lot here often, mostly because we try to keep things on football, but as the season comes to an end and looks like the Tom Crean era comes to an end, I think this is a good time to address where Georgia basketball is. And I will say this as someone who, in my time in college at the University of Georgia coming up, I care deeply about Georgia basketball loved covering it. I covered their last NCAA tournament game against Michigan state in Charlotte back in 2015. Uh, I would love to see Georgia basketball be a perennial power. And I know my colleague, Mike Griffith doesn't necessarily agree with this. I don't believe that you are either a football school or a basketball school. I think you can see what the sec has done. And quite frankly, I think the sec might be the best conference in basketball this season with, with the amount of talent in this league, especially at the top end of it, you know, Sure, you can make jokes about where Auburn and Tennessee are as football schools right now, but both of those schools would, would rather win football national championships than basketball national championships. That's just the reality of it. But those schools are going to be top four seeds in the upcoming NCAA tournament. Uh, Alabama is going to make back-to-back NCAA tournaments after making the Sweet 16 a season ago. I think you look at what Ohio State has done on an annual basis. Like even Michigan under Juwan Howard now this idea that you are either a football school or a basketball school, heck even Florida. And I know, you know, Florida has taken a step back from where they were under Billy Donovan, but they're still making the NCAA tournament at almost every season. And so, you know, there's no, for me, the idea that you have to choose is just ridiculous, especially with the amount of money these schools are getting from the SEC nowadays. You should not be making any sort of sacrifices when it comes to your program. And so with Tom Crean, I'll be blunt. Uh, it's time to move on. I know, you know, he can bemoan the changes. He can bemoan recruiting. Uh, I would say, look back at his time in Indiana. He did not do a good job of recruiting the Hoosier state then. And that really came back to bite him missing out on some key players. And I think that really hurt him in the end in his time at Georgia. And even more specifically, if you want to point to the transfer issues that Georgia has had reality is college basketball has changed a good bit in the last two years, much like college football has. And I think Crean struggled to deal with those changes. And you you see guys like Severe Wheeler, who's a starter for Kentucky, Justin Keir, who is playing minutes for an Arizona team that's going to be a number one seed, uh, Tamari Kamara, Katie Johnson, who's a major part of that Auburn team, who's going to be a top seed and who won the SEC this season. Cream was able to find talent. You know, I, I think we all recognize the importance of recruiting Atlanta. I think that's going to be something very important for who Georgia ends up hiring next. And I think that's what I personally believe gives Jonas Hayes a real leg up in being the the possible replacement for Tom Kareem. But I think the game of college basketball changed so much, with specifically regards to the transfer portal, that Cream really felt like, hey, he's going to have you know three, four, five years to really develop a team here. And this year we're supposed to be this team that, you know, sure you bring in Antman for a year and then from there you have guys multiple recruiting classes that you stack to where you've built up that vision in those first two recruiting classes, these guys are now juniors and seniors and your upperclassmen and, and leading you to an NCA tournament. You know, when Tom Crean was brought in, the expectation was to go from, you know, a team that contends for the NCA tournament and makes it one every three, every four years, to being at at worst an annual NCAA tournament team. And from beyond that, you know, a team that is making it to the second weekend and possibly pursuing even final four greatness there. And the program has just taken a massive step backwards from a record standpoint. This is easily the worst season in Georgia basketball history. And even with having said all that, and and even with the program being in a worse spot right now than where it was when Tom Crean is hired, because I think the sec has gotten leaps and bounds better during that time while Georgia very clearly has taken a step back. Maybe social media overrate or overinflates this belief, but I think there's a real passion to see Georgia basketball be a, a good basketball program, a program that is contending for the NCAAs every single season, even in a way that I don't think was necessarily there back in 2018 when they moved on from Mark Fox. I think there's a want, a desire because of the success that Tennessee, that Auburn, that Alabama, that LSU, has had in basketball. I think there's a desire to see those teams, to see this Georgia program take the next step. And so whoever they end up hiring, yeah, it's going to be a tough job at first because you're, (coughs) excuse me. You're competing against well-established programs in Auburn who might have another final four battle to unfurl by the end of all this with a Tennessee program that has continued to do stable things under Rick Barnes as he is now deep into his tenure there. As Nate Oates continues to do things at Alabama, you're playing catch up to those schools. And really, you're looking to get to a point where, okay, can we get back to where we were at the end of the Mark Fox era first? And if you can do that in say two to three years where, all right, you know, year one, you're maybe one of five, six SEC games. Year two, you're hitting around 500. Maybe you're on last four out first four in or last four in territory. And then maybe years three and four. Once you have a couple of recruiting classes, once you have identified some guys, once you've won some big recruiting battles in the state of Atlanta, when you're bringing in marquee transfer players from there, I I think maybe you can launch yourself up a notch, but, it's clear in college basketball because look, there were some grizzly years for Rick Barnes early at Tennessee I could say the same things for Bruce Pearl there. It is not exactly whoever takes this Georgia job. They're not exactly going to step in and turn this team into a tournament team overnight. You know, I expect a year from now, as we're talking again, probably about Georgia basketball. I don't expect Georgia to be an NCAA tournament team next year, but what this coach needs, whoever it ends up being needs to show is that a they can bring in talent b they can retain talent and and more importantly develop a chemistry a culture and identity that's what Kirby Smart has done and whoever it ends up being whether it's Jonas Hayes Dennis Gates some big name that Josh Brooks makes a big play for i think it's going to be really interesting to see who that is and what that says about the direction of Georgia basketball because while some people would sort of maybe raise an eyebrow about Jonas Hayes i believe if that is the hire they are making the hire that is, Hey, we're betting on culture. We're betting on the Georgia way. We're betting on doing things the way Georgians do them. And if that ends up working the way it has for football, I think that's going to mean very good things for this Georgia basketball program in the weeks and years and months to come. And I realized I went out of order there, but on that note, uh, let's go ahead and start asking your questions, fire away. Uh, we will throw them up here on the screen. Uh, if we get the chance to, Uh, I'm sure there's talks about Alabama because there always are on this show. Uh, Foster Moss, this is a good one. Bring Rick Pitino. Oh, nope. Sorry, Keith. Uh, Bring in Rick Pitino. Um, I'd be surprised if it's Rick Pitino. Uh, Obviously, he's a great coach, but at the same point in time, he is 69 years old, and he will turn 70 by the time the next college basketball season starts. And I think what, what Georgia wants... They want a, a sort of long term success there. They don't necessarily want a, a quick fix because say three, four, five years from now, at age seventy-five, Patino decides to hang it up, you're sort of left wondering where things are gonna go from there. So we'll see how that goes. But to Keith's point here, moving on, the big thing is, you know, time, you know, and because somebody another commenter mentioned this with Mark Fox, it was not always the most Entertaining basketball. I'll be the first to admit that it was a defensive first approach and a lot of nights it was just ugly basketball. Tom cream brought you points and that's great, but there weren't a whole lot of defensive stops there. And quite frankly, there was never enough made baskets in terms of you know three point shooting to really validate the way that he wanted to play at Georgia. You know, he never got the three point shooting to where you needed to be able to score enough consistently to win enough in this league. And at the same point in time, he never really had a big man that was capable of when you spread it out, is able to guard the pain and make things difficult for opposing offenses. Let's see. Uh. Yeah, Kevin Cook, I I wholeheartedly agree here. I mean, you want to look at Auburn's four most talented players in recent years. Uh, Isaiah Kokoro, who's a number four overall pick from Atlanta. Sharif Cooper, who was an all-SEC player at Auburn from Atlanta. Walker Kessler, obviously went to North Carolina for a year, but he is from Atlanta and turned down Georgia twice despite his uncle, brother, and dad all playing at the university. Uh, Jabari Smith, who's going to be maybe the number one overall pick this year also from Atlanta. I mean, Auburn has been built. The best players from Auburn have all come from the city of Atlanta. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, Let's see. Joseph Kennedy uh, thinks that Quay Walker will go in the first round. Uh, I know uh, Dane Brugler of The Athletic had him as the number 33 overall pick. Uh, it'll be really interesting with Quay. You know, unfortunately for Quay, he gets overshadowed because he played with the Kobe Dean, who won the Buckus Award this year. But he, he's a guy who, you just look at his athletic traits and his athletic ability and the plays that he made this season, he's absolutely going to be at worst his second-round pick there. And it wouldn't surprise me if some teams, because, he, and this is even different than, say, from the Kobe. You know, the athletic ability, and I would point out Devin Lloyd, who was largely considered to be competing with Nakobe to be the first linebacker off the board, did not test all that well athletically this week. And so when you factor in Quay Walker's times, I believe a 4'52 unofficial 40, you know, you start to consider hey, he's 6'4, 250 pounds, runs better than than Devin Lloyd, and maybe even N'Kobe Dean potentially, and is much longer than Kobe Dean with what we've seen from guys like Fred Warner, uh, Darius Leonard, and the value that length has in their games. Maybe a team does take Quay Walker there at the end of the first round, because he offers both the length and athletic ability that I think maybe a Devin Lloyd and Nicobe Kobe Dean who are better college football players don't necessarily have right now. Let's see. Uh, Thomas Dew asking who's going to replace Jordan Davis on the uh, defensive line next season. On the one hand, no one, there is not another Jordan Davis who steps in there and dominates the rushing game or the run defense, the way that a Jordan Davis does. I think he is a true rarity, a one of one, not just within this Georgia program, but in college football as a whole, You know those guys don't grow on trees, but in terms of on field, who steps in as the zero technique for this Georgia defense, the nose tackle. I think that's going to be Zion Logue. I think he's a guy who's played a good bit before Georgia, knows what it has in him, and it's going to be interesting to see how he gets more reps this coming season. Uh Jeremy Harbin, yeah, the Falcons now have a need at wide receiver. They're probably going to have one anyway with Calvin Ridley, but now that he is suspended, uh I think when the Falcons pick there in the second round, I'll be interested to see if, if if George Pickens is still on the board, but I think wide receiver fits with what the Falcons are looking for. And the reality is with the Falcons right now, they just need to go best player available. You know, I was uh, texting with my brother today. He's a Jets fan and, you know, because the Jets have the fourth and the 10th pick. And he's like, hopefully, you know, the Falcons take a quarterback. I'm like, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback because they have so many other issues on the roster right now in terms of a talent standpoint that taking a quarterback, you know, because Matt Ryan is merely good and is not necessarily great doesn't in my opinion with this class make up for some of the deficiencies you have on the rest of this roster. The fact that this team went 7 games last season is quite frankly kind of stunning with some of the talent deficiencies that they're working with on, you know, say the defensive line in the secondary there. So, I think Falcons at 8 and I guess when they pick again at either 39 or 40, they're going to take best player available and I if George is there in the second round for this Atlanta team, I certainly think that that is a chance there as well. Uh, Jeremy Harbin also brings up to get the Tennessee second round pick as well in the uh, Julio Jones trade. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, and offense, again, like the Falcons, they got to go best best player available, regardless of who it is. You know, if it's Kyle Hamilton there at eight, they should sprint to the podium to go take him. If it's Trayvon Walker, uh, who I could certainly see being an option there, whoever the Falcons believe to be the best overall player, Sauce Gardner, the cornerback out of Cincinnati, whoever it is, that's who I believe that they should take. I don't think they should necessarily pigeonhole themselves based on their current roster, because in my opinion, they're not one or two players away from being a team that, can win a Super Bowl or even you know get to an NFC Championship game. Let's see, uh, Andrew Booth from Clemson. Uh, it sounds like he's maybe tracking more late first round than than you know with a Falcons pick. So we'll be interested to see him there. Uh, and I point out here as well with the Falcons, you know, they just don't have a history of, of taking Georgia players. I believe Akeem Dent in two thousand ten was the last time that the Falcons drafted a Georgia player. Uh, You know, Todd Gurley obviously had a stand here a few years ago. Uh, Randy Hall brings up Jamari Sawyer as someone to help on the offensive line. It'd be a possible suggestion there as well. Uh, I do think, you know it would help the Falcons out a lot right now, quite frankly, with where they are, even within the, the pecking order of Georgia sports. You know, I think they're behind the Hawks at this point with Trey Young in the season they had last season. And they're probably always going to be behind Georgia football and the Atlanta Braves, just given the long-term ties that these teams have and the champion success that they have as well there. But, uh, you know, if the Falcons go out and they bring in, you know, I'm not saying they got to go draft, you know, Trayvon Walker at eight, Lewis seen at and they, I don't think they'll take Louis because they took a safety last year in the second round. Uh, they go out and they go, you know, let's say they go all Georgia and they go Trayvon Walker, George Pickens, Jamari Sawyer in their first three picks. I'm not saying you do that, but I think it'll be – I think that helps generate some interest in this team going forward. Uh, let's see. Maybe we'll do one more question before we get out of here. Um, or maybe we just call it a show there. Um, yeah, we'll probably call it a show there. So, thanks everyone for tuning in tonight. My name is Connor Riley. We do this every Tuesday, Dog Nation, Connor in coverage. You will have Brandon Adams, Dog Nation Daily. You have Jeff tell before the hedges tomorrow. We're probably gonna have uh some news on the Georgia basketball coaching search in terms of Tom Crean. I think we're gonna you know probably hop on and do something there regarding that from a broadcast standpoint as well. So we'll have you covered obviously spring practice this time next Tuesday. We'll be wrapping up the first day of spring practice. We'll probably get to hear from Kirby smart previewing Georgia pro day, which is uh, Wednesday the 16th. So, you know, even though it's March and even though we're now two full months removed from the national championship game, Georgia football news never stops and neither do we. And so we're going to keep bringing it to you, bringing the news, the notes, the updates and everything. So, thanks everybody for tuning in. Have a, a great Tuesday night. We'll see you next Tuesday talking the more and latest in Georgia News for Dog Nation. This has been Connor in Coverage. My name is Connor Riley.